right. Welcome back to another episode of the USL show. So much has happened within the last week. We've had, you know, some really exciting matches. A new champion has been crowned. The first official USL double has happened. And some controversy along the way. Um, and there's no one else who seems to know themselves to controversy like, uh, hey, John, how you doing? Doing really well. Yeah, excited to talk about controversy, League One, championship, everything tonight. Alan, how are you doing? Um, uh, fine. I just want to take this moment to apologize on behalf of um, every team in the USL um, uh, uh, for poor officiating and for not giving my, my all over the course of the season and, and dealing with injuries and and then really, really, really putting it out there on social media uh, by including multiple apology posts this season. Um, if it was the consistent, if anything. You know, I was really, I had it pulled up. I was fully contemplating on just doing like a full cold open of only that, of only the the VAR post, and then I decided against it. But now I really wish I would have. Uh, so fine. you'd like VAR to go back and assess whether or not you should have done yeah, that? <laughs> I could uh, go back and fix it. Um, <laughs> if I could go all the way back, I would take back um, myself kneeing a goalkeeper in the temple. I would take that one back. Um but that's just me. Um, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. T- Kaylor, how are you? You know, it's all right. Um, the fact that it's 85 degrees in November is messed up. Um, I was I told myself that it was fall and it was sweater <laughs> season and I almost had a heat stroke. And that was awesome. <laughs> I love that for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tyler, man, how you doing? Doing good. Um, went out and voted today. I know I mentioned it to you guys, but my five-year-old was super disappointed that there weren't hot dogs and fireworks involved. But um, yeah, <laughs> otherwise, got it done. Um, just so we're not, I'm not going to talk about the context surrounding this. We'll talk about it later, but I just want to read the graphic. That's all. Um, and I'm just going to present it like it's my own thing. Um, we at the USL show would like to apologize not to not just to our fans but the fans of the usl championship and league one for the performance um and for the ref for the performance of the referees on sunday um the performance was subpar at best for both sides um we hope to continue to push the conversation forward and work uh with the league to try to improve the quality for everyone everyone i i don't think that's something that's too controversial um later on tonight we're probably going to uh post a bunch of uh a bunch of videos uh specifically from our favorite teams and i don't know we'll figure it out we'll post we'll think about the details later uh we'll probably get the admin and just tell him to defend us with uh, every grace that he has and then make him take the brunt of the entire issue um, who's definitely not paid enough. The, Should we the read Ford Madison's response? I think the only issue I have with Colorado, the Colorado Springs comment is... Wait, if officiating this was the USL that, show comment. This sorry, was the USL show comment. The Thank other you. one doesn't exist. Uh, with, with the USL show comment is, if officiating is consistently poor, isn't that par? So wouldn't it just be on par with... like It wouldn't be subpar. It would be like as par as it's been all season long. So I, I really find there's a contradiction a contradiction in that statement in that the referees have been consistently poor, but these ones were below poor, but they were just, I think they were just as, so just par. They've been par. I was very surprised not to see a Michigan Stars logo in the bottom left corner, but that was just me. <laughs> Not enough yeah, smoke I was, and smell. I was mentally, I was mentally weighing like, what is worse, this or the smoke and smell? <laughs> um, to people wondering in the chat, yes, I am in my truck, and it is so freaking hot. Okay, it is really warm. I have the wind. I have been opening and closing the door. It's it's awful. Like I said, it is eighty five degrees in November. Yes, the 
the penalty call for the league one final was bad, but this is ridiculous. <sighs> Whatever happens next year, we need a Michigan Stars Colorado Springs Open Cup meeting. <laughs> yes. The graphics off. They they have to send out their they have to send out their tweets in the form of graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Just let Just those Twitter admins play tic tac toe. <laughs> 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 Just to get my shade more serious on this for a minute. Like Colorado Springs was just outplayed by San Antonio. You can point to the decisions that were made, but this reads so whiny when they couldn't execute, they couldn't get the chances to actually win the game. I don't know. I, did Jordan Farr had like what three saves on the night and they were all to him where he didn't even try? Right, exactly. Yeah. And when it came down to the business end of the game, the final 20 minutes, Colorado Springs had five shots, none of which were on target. I mean, one of them, they called a shot. I think it was more or less a pass to the back post that none of the Colorado Springs players were there for because they were not playing well, and that has nothing to do with the refs. But whatever. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We need to talk about the the USL League One final first. And I had already talked about it just a little bit um to open off you know the scoring for the night ever i mean some it started off hot tormenta almost had probably one of the goals of the season within the first minute and it just barely barely went wide and listen statesboro was buzzing some of if just go back and watch any of those videos especially the game winner Oh man, what I would have given to be there. It was incredible stuff. Um, but the penalty gets called. And if you read the ref's lips, he says, You pushed him in the back. When you look at the replay, A, no. B, that's not even what could have happened in that situation. I think he saw him go down and then panicked and had to make it up. But anyway, so they go 1 1 and then. The Red Bulls started getting into it. They started doing their thing. Chattanooga started doing Chattanooga things. They just fired their coach, by the way. Um, just side note. Because um, that's kind of all he's been for the remainder of the season, to be honest. Um, and then it just kind of turns into a kind of a, just a cagey affair of close shots here, close shots there. And then, look, I know we need the goal is what it was, but Sterling's assist, the the dribble to the pass. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And then game winner 2-1 Tormenta pulls off the double and something really cool from the night. On the first goal you see it, the second goal not as much, but the first goal that Tormenta scores, the players immediately go run over to the academy players to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And if that does not sum up Tormenta more than anything else, I don't I don't know what else can do it for you. Yeah, they're big into their academy system. I mean, and that's like something we're trying to do with Lexington is is really invest in that. So it's super cool to see that, you know, like have them highlighted in that way to to go over and see that connection between the first team and the, the academy. That was a really cool moment. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, the way that – yeah, go ahead, Alan. No, yours is probably going to be way smarter than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say the way that – Tormenta has shepherded their talented players from League Two up to League One. And I mean, it's culminated in this success is really amazing to see. I was impressed with the way that they controlled the game and prevented chances through their counter pressure. Um, they sort of played in a 4-4-2 defensively with what they were doing, where they dropped their ringers in pretty deep and completely challenged what the Red Wolves were doing. <laughs> I'm laughing at the comment that Tyler looks like. like that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I think it was just, that was just the best. Back, I think you, that's great. But um, <laughs> was just so good defensively. And we, we highlight the Dengler Phelps center back pairing because it rightfully is one of the best across the entire scope of American soccer. But this team is so good from end to end, and I think it showed across the entirety of this title game performance. 
And when you have someone like a Kaziah Sterling up top who can link play, who can get the wingers involved, that sets you apart. But this was pretty much everything you would want to see from a League One side. And it showed the potential of that League Two, League One championship pipeline in a way that's really positive. Yeah, and it was like super cool too because like um, I noticed that Walking Ninety they were like live tweeting and they had asked who that was going to be the X factor in the game, and uh, I was like I think it's going to be Akali, and I had no idea it was going to be because he drew that penalty. Um, but yeah. I mean, even looking at his work rate beyond that, like he was yes. constantly just fighting and and like it was tough battles too, and he was constantly getting pushed around, but he wasn't trying for any soft fouls on, on the you know, sidelines there. Um, and he was really, really battling. Now the, the penalty was definitely soft, but uh, the rest of the game, you know, that was something where I feel like he was a big contributor to their success in that game. And he was a lot of the reason why they were able to get into the box or, or close to so often. And you saw that with Tormenta, they weren't having to fire off a lot of shots from, you know, 25 yards out. Whereas Chattanooga, that was a lot of what they were doing, at least in the first half. And then they tried it a lot again in the second half, too. So it was kind of interesting to see two different attacking styles with how much pace both teams had. If you I was actually really worried Tormento on the second had. goal. I was really worried on the second goal because the way the pitch was looking, like it's a yeah. like smooth ball and then it starts to bounce. I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. it's going to pop up. He's going to kick it over. Oh, my goodness. And he was just he, – he put a really <clears> nice <throat> shot on it to keep it to keep it low and – you know, yeah, the pen was soft, but Tormenta went hard, so it was all balanced yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. If you compare the shots, I think there were only three from Chattanooga that were in the box compared to eight from uh, Tormenta. Yeah, it, it was crazy because like Chattanooga there for a minute, they were just like firing them off, just one after the other from outside the box. You just as soon as they would get within like twenty five yards, you're like, oh, somebody's going to shoot, and they were they were going for it. Which those are the type of goals they can score. So I mean, can't really fault them for trying. Sure. The one that uh, sticks out to me, and maybe it's just because, because, I mean, even at the time it seemed big, but the Ray Ortiz chance, I think it was like the 30-something minute, that Mm -hmm. whistled by the net. I mean, it does not – a little bit closer hits the post. I mean, obviously, duh, nice inside, Kaylor. But, like, of some of those shots we were seeing, you know, never challenging anybody – when that ball left Ortiz's foot, I was like, my first instinct was that's a goal. It yeah. just looked like it was on and just went wide. So, I mean, they were creating chances, but, you know, like uh, River City says, um, I think that's Yogi um, in the chat said, like, they, Tormenta shut down the midfield of uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves. And, Everything always seems to come down to the midfield. I know that's just such, you know, easy soccer talk of you win the midfield, you win the game. But Tormenta did that. We knew that they had the margins in the defense. They had the better defense. Their offense, I think, was close. We all said Red Wolves had the edge. Where do you win? You win in the midfield. And Tormenta completely shut down that Red Wolves, you know, midfield. And it was really impressive to watch. I, it's hard to think that there is another team that may be, I mean, it's hard to say because of Richmond. And I've said this last week that I still think that Richmond in my mind is the real winner, especially USL. They play everybody three times. Like that's regular season champion is my champion for league one. But for the cup, when it comes to winning the USL cup, it's it's playoffs and there was no team hotter than Tormenta coming in and they continue just to be on fire. And mm-hmm. the they it's been highlighted several times. Nicholas Murray uh did the shout out of it. Other fans have shouted it out. I talked about it with going to celebrate with the academy. The the players doing the same celebrations as the W League team did their celebrations. It's a true club atmosphere going on. And there is something about that, you know, academy to senior team uh, pipeline. You know, look at Loose City. We'll talk about them in a little bit and that whole connection. But Tormenta breathes club football. And that's exactly what you want, especially when you build this entire tiered system. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, and it's so funny because, like, I see people, like, poking fun at uh, Tormenta not having any fans and stuff. I mean, and, and granted, there were a ton of Chattanooga fans that made the trip down there. Like, they were making some noise. You could hear them throughout the whole broadcast. But, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like Tormenta still has managed to capture something special. And a lot of that, I think, is coming from their investment in, like, their whole organization like they're very holistic and a lot of that's coming through that that academy system that they've got and it's really cool to see because man the the people involved take huge pride in that as they should and they've been producing and it was was really cool yeah when i talked to joshua phelps earlier uh this Mm -hmm. year he's you know he was their first ever professional signing at the club and Mm -hmm. funny enough i remember watching him back when they were in league two he when they played the Birmingham Hammers and I distinctly remember him because he was the only Australian I ever saw playing in League Two. Um and he took so much pride when I talked to, to him about being the first professional player and also just being Tormenta. There was there's something about how ingrained it is in everybody talking about how it started off as just an academy and then just Mm -hmm. became a u19 u21 to professional now women's a proper women's club yeah it's everything you want and i think you know obviously people want to like you said poke fun at the attendance but winning championships is also what will bring people to matches um i do want to bring out uh bring up one thing um the sirens that go off, obviously, Tormenta, that's the storm. That's awesome. Imagine living yes. down the road and you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I was wondering how many people were, like, turning on the news or, like, <laughs> running to, like, their bathroom when they heard that, not knowing what was going on. Those, it was pretty cool, though. Like, I thought that was pretty neat whenever I saw it or heard it go off. I was like, oh, man, that's a nice touch. Yeah. People getting their helmets, going into the basement, trying to figure out what's going on, <laughs> putting on the TV, and just nothing else is going on. It's just uh-huh. soccer, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I will say with uh, Kaziah Sterling, uh, and because Tottenham is a cursed club, he becomes, I think, the 30th player to have left Tottenham at one point and go win a trophy <laughs> or someone else at a different club. Or 31, if you depending on how you count Gareth Bale, because he also won a trophy at a different club, but had done so at his second different club. Every team's writing that down. Which Tottenham (laughs) player can we steal? (laughs) Like, even if you just like hung out around Tottenham players at one point and you happen to play soccer, (laughs) will you come play for us? (laughs) Oh my God. What was that? John laughing so hard he's throwing things around the room. (laughs) (laughs) That was his ceiling, the sign to leak again. His bathroom just. I was wondering if it was that straight ball. Do not put that evil on me, right? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was that straight ball from the Tormenta game finally landing. That one that almost took out that window in the building behind the goal. (laughs) I swore it was going to go through one of those windows and it bounced around a couple times and I was like, oh, it's going to happen. Made its way to John's. <laughs> so, does anybody else have anything on uh, League One Finals that they want to discuss? Uh, n- nothing big. I mean, I hope everybody enjoyed it because it's the last year that Lexington won't be involved in one. So, I hope they're soaking it up and uh, enjoying that. You know, are you are you the, going? The to rain talk? starts now. Yeah. <laughs> so Tyler versus uh, Tyler versus Bolt officially started today. It's true. It's true. I'll be the club mascot. That's fine. <laughs> I'll wear one of those weird rubber horse heads to the game. <laughs> oh, see if you can have an entire support <laughs> section of only wearing those horse heads, but they're painted. Yeah. Green, that's yes. Smooth. Yes. That's it. Or, sounds like a sounds like a bad idea in the south in the summertime. But yes. what do I know? Hey, or, soccer fandom, you do what you got to do, right? <laughs> or the entire suffer. Hear, hear me out. The the entire supporter section for Lexington comes in like the Monty Python skit with like the fake horse and the coconuts. Yeah. Yes. And they're dressed in jockey silks. Everybody's in jockey silks doing it. This is it. That's the whole thing. Imagine how thrown off the other team will be. They just won't even know what to do about it. There's our edge. There it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> Incredible. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the Western Conference final because we've already talked about it a little bit. Um, this one started off and, you know, there was some excitement. There was some nice little build-up plays and then nothing happened for a while. And then there was a couple of nice build-up plays, then nothing happened. All this for San Antonio, by the way. Colorado Springs really didn't do that much. Um, and then a couple of plays here, a couple of plays there. Uh, Caldwell makes a, a couple of saves, and then San Antonio uh, puts one in the back of uh, the net. Maloney gets his first ever professional goal, I think. And every single time I see Maloney, he has so much bigger biceps than I think he should. His, <laughs> he is jacked, and I always forget about it until I see him. And I think about it every single time. Um, later on, uh, and you know, Jordan Farce doesn't really – do that much because he wasn't tested that much am i being a little bit extra because of the graphic yes but also don't post a graphic if you played like crap um and then the alleged pk uh, incident where was it was it a pin maybe but we can talk about that and then um we go to 100 minute or yeah 100 minutes because I don't know. They just really wanted extra time, I guess, but they couldn't award it without, I don't know. Uh, goal Patino uh, does Patino things, which is just score uh, in at the end of games. And look, Toyota Field looked like it was a party. Well, we got on it. Yeah, I'll go ahead and just slide in to start. I mean – this was a classic San Antonio game where they weren't allowing any good chances for the switchbacks. They were very controlling with what they were doing with the back three. Say what you will as the switchbacks, I didn't really flag the refereeing as an issue when I was watching live. Um, I think the big issue was missing Zach Zandi in the attacking midfield where he is that secondary creator that forces you to pay attention to him and Cameron Lindley. And when San Antonio was able to basically man Mark Lindley whenever he moved across the pitch, that basically doomed the switchbacks because of the injury. And it was almost inevitable that Maloney or someone else, this is a team that is so diverse in their scoring, was going to get the goal, put them up one nothing, and then see out the game with a really astute defensive performance. And that's exactly how it went. So say what you will about the refereeing, but San Antonio deserves all the credit for playing this out in a way that is befitting of what's been a wonderful season for them. Yeah, see, this is just one to me that... Colorado Springs, they you're going into a buzzsaw, which is the best team in the league. And they're playing so well. They're playing so well. And they did their thing. One thing that got really highlighted in this match, I think more so than other matches for San Antonio, and maybe and maybe it always gets highlighted um, in some way, but I feel like this match did a little bit extra. You really saw just how well the entire team can control the ball. I know we always see San Antonio and it's like, oh, they don't possess the ball, therefore don't control the ball. But this match, when they were making their attacks, I mean, San Antonio were San Antonio. Colorado Springs were really diving in to try to stop some of these attacks, and they were, you know, double, triple, you know, like teaming some of these, uh, some of these attacks to try to shut them down to get a quick counter. And you just could not dispossess San Antonio once they had the ball. There was a couple of just incredible dribbles and fast uh, passing that happened, and Colorado Springs had no answer for it. And it's the same thing that catches everybody off guard because you can watch all the film you want on San Antonio. And this is the thing that caught me off guard when I watched San Antonio in person 
you don't understand how fast they are until you play them. Until you are in the heat of the moment, you do not understand just how quick they are. And their ability to pass, their ability to get up the field fast, and also look kind of sexy while they're while they're doing it. I mean, it's incredible. And Colorado Springs just absolute buzzsaw. Yeah, I, I was I was looking back at San Antonio's run, and I just had to giggle when their last loss was. Um, it was like a one nil to Indy eleven in August. Like that's right. the last time they've lost a game, and it's like. Of course, they lost to someone like Indy Eleven, like not. Lou but... City lost to uh, Indy like three days later. Yeah, yeah. wild, right? Yeah, it was a three-day stretch where Indy mm-hmm. beat those two teams. <laughs> they had come off this like four-three loss to San Diego. They were playing in horrible form, and then they just ripped off these wins. Mm-hmm. And so now Indy Eleven can say uh, we've we've beaten the champion, uh, regardless of how this turns out. Uh, I think it is telling to look at some of the highlights. Like, there's just not a ton to look at for Colorado Springs. I thought they were hard done on the uh, the penalty shout later in the match. Um, you know, I. But at this point, like, I've said it over and over again, right? You got to play better than the worst referee, and I just don't think Colorado Springs really played the game that they wanted to play. Uh, if you look at stats, you're like, oh, my God, Colorado Springs dominated this game. What's amazing is San Antonio has, in 30% possession, had more shots and more shots on target. Um, I think there's a little bit of concern in how many um, how many corner kicks they gave up because I think maybe some set piece, a set-piece goal is in their future to, to allow. Um, but this was a really uh, intense... Um, very like I, I want to say like old school USL Eastern Conference, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't like this run and gun three, two, four, three, like old school Western Conference game. This was like a really hard fought um and f- very physical. And you know, San Antonio learned some lessons from last year losing to Orange County in a similar match. Uh they're kind of putting that same run together that Orange County did at the end of last match where they're just not giving up very many opportunities. Uh, they had their run of one nil games and they haven't let a goal in, in the postseason yet. And they should knock on wood for that. Um, I might've just jinxed them. So sorry, San Antonio, uh, but <laughs> this was, um, this was like a really, yeah, this is a really classic San Antonio game. This is what you expect from them. This is what, uh, Burke was saying about this might not be the most enjoyable style of soccer to sit down and watch as like a neutral, but I think if you understand what they're going to do before you to, before you sit down and watch them, I, I think that there are lots of things to enjoy. Adinaran is is a is a super fun player to watch, um, and yes, I picked I picked San Antonio two weeks in a row as a lock, so like I I, I I'm I'm going to ride the hot hand and. I think this sets up another very interesting matchup going forward. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a San Antonio team that, as we had mentioned, made the most with just not possessing the ball. There were only 190 passes that they had during the match. But what really impressed me was if we're looking at like Colorado Springs saying that they were really close in this game, San Antonio had found the back of the net before or Colorado Springs even had a shot. Their first shot came in the 26th minute of the match where San Antonio's goal came in the 23rd. It was just really interesting just how San Antonio controlled a lot of the play for this game and just, like Alan had said, just got the result, kind of like an old Eastern Conference, almost Bob Lilly-esque type of play that sent them into the up final. I mean, if you're looking at their last... They made it to the final. They did, yes. If you're My looking favorite at part last... of this... Go ahead. Go ahead. As in my favorite part of the stats is they had more, less accurate passes than minutes played in the match. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I, you know, the, this match, uh, the, I, I kind of want to go to the Colorado Springs tweet a little bit more because they kept posting random clips and being like, we said 
for both sides. We and it's like we we said, and then the one clip that they showed it was from their own camera, which I mean, at first off, really nice camera quality. Shout out to having nice video equipment. If you want to send some of that to me, that'd be awesome. Anyway, um, it was the one where I think it was uh Tainter uh had the slide to try to stop the uh, ball deflects uh, off his foot into his arm. Like that was one of their big moments of this was supposed to be a handball penalty. It's like it literally deflected off of his foot and he is sliding. That is a legal position. If you're going to call for the ref's head, at least post the right clip. Like uh, just ask anybody in, in the, <coughs> in the room or someone's like, is this the right call? And if somebody says, I think it was the right call, then don't post that one. Make it a unanimous decision of, Oh no, that was a bad one. I don't know. I was taken back by the whole post. I mean, like, obviously I'm not a Colorado Springs fan, but like if one of my teams did that, I'd be embarrassed. Like I wouldn't be rallying behind them and being like, yeah, you tell everybody that the refs are bad and that we deserve different. It's like, number one, you're you're playing against San Antonio, who's been crushing it. Like you're trying to discount what they've been doing this whole time by saying that really the only reason you lost is because of bad referee. And and I feel like that's unfair to your opponent. Opponent, it's pretty disrespectful to your opponent. Um, you know, if your beef is with the refs, you're still dragging that into the conversation. And I, I don't know. It just felt super cringe to me uh, to, to to do that. I, I don't know why you would you would take to the team account and just engage like how many times they engaged people and were just getting into verbal arguments and then trying to pull out things to prove themselves right. That was I don't know. Yeah, I got a little bit of secondhand embarrassment off of that, because if you have a problem with it, I feel like as an organization, that's where like maybe you approach other teams and say, hey, we need to maybe come together and then go to the league and say, we got to find a solution for this, not just throw a tantrum on Twitter. Um, that's just what it felt like to me. Also, just to me, because I, I don't necessarily want to drag the admin here because I really doubt that this was entirely their decision. But Right, yeah, and, and I'm not like calling out the admin specifically. It's just like there's obviously a lot of people making the decision to to do this and put this out there, you know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know. It just felt super strange. Sorry, uh, somebody told me to do rude Lex, so there's my rude Lex. So the thing that kind of does it for me, though, is this is not necessarily <laughs> me calling out the admin, but what I do want to point out here is that somebody in the front office keeps posting stuff like this, right? Like the Brendan Burks, they're not good. They're just efficient or they're just lucky. Somebody has to look at that and say, let, maybe let's not post that. Same thing with this post. Like somebody, somebody in the back room has to sit there and say, maybe let's not post this one. There needs to be more checks of like, maybe don't look whiny or give bulletin board material. Let's just not do that. And shout out to Mitchell Tainer uh, for still being one of the pettiest people on Twitter. He gets on once every two weeks to make one petty post and then just screws off for a while. That's his entire being on Twitter, and I love it. I mean, do what everyone else does and get a burner account. Like, don't post this from the Colorado <laughs> Springs account. Like, right. post it from a burner account and then retweet it from the Colorado Springs account. Be like, we support our fans. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Does anybody else have anything on this or do we want to go over to the other one? Let's go to the east. All right, let's go over to the east where we had now stop me if you've heard this before. Louisville City takes on the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um these script writers are getting really lazy. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Um and this one was kind of boring for a while. And then, you know, as it goes on, it goes on, it gets a little chippy, gets a little, you know, gets a little rough because that's just how this, that's how this game always goes. This game is always one that's just super back and forth. Everybody is just, you know, eating the fingernails, biting the fingernails, just doing the whole, the whole thing. And then, you know, Tampa Bay's keeper makes an incredible, incredible save. 
And I think a lot of people were like, wow, Tampa Bay has had really has this one. And then Corbin Bones says, man, Tampa Bay really deserves it after that and decides to go full WWE and, you know, puts his hands to some uh, to Tampa Bay players face right in front of the ref gets a straight red. And from there, Tampa Bay is up a man to go. What is it? The last 15 minutes plus extra time. And as the game goes on, it is Tampa Bay getting control, but they are just not getting their chances. And in the first half of extra time, or was it the second half of extra time? I can't remember how the minutes work. Second half of extra second time. Half. Yeah. Second half. Yes. Um, okay. uh, zone. Elijah Winder gets on the end of just all of the corner shenanigans going on, bouncing ball, pinball, 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 back of the net. Louisville City goes up 1-0, and Tampa Bay, just like every teenage girl's favorite necklace to wear, they will be forever known as a choker. To be fair, this is Louisville finally beating Tampa Bay in the East Final after two years of Tampa Bay doing it in a row. I... I do want to say at the very end of the uh, second half of extra time, uh, Lucky got his uh, foot on the end of one. I think everybody who saw that ball falling to him was like, well, this game's equalized, and then just barely skied it, which is honestly, I mean, shout out to the script writers for realizing they were getting a little bit too predictable and changed it up just slightly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was kind of honestly surprised yeah. that nobody scored in the first half. Um like, I don't, I don't know. I guess we, they just weren't able to capitalize on those chances. But, um, man, Enoch Mushagalusa was killing it on the left side for the whole first half. He was just, like, taking on everybody. And I thought for sure, like, eventually he'd get it into somebody. But it never quite happened. And then it looked like Tampa Bay had made some pretty decent adjustments at halftime because he wasn't quite feasting as much anymore. But, um, you know, I felt like Tampa Bay did some pretty solid things for the second half to, to try and – you know, figure things out, but, um, but man, that, like you said, that pinball situation that was going on off the set piece, like, I, I was just like, man, who's going to get it in? Uh, I was waiting for it, honestly, to be like an own goal or something, because it just was bouncing off of every single player that was in the box. You, you I mentioned I, the... this... I don't know if I'd Go call ahead, this Alan. a choke job, because it's, I mean, a Louisville home. I do like that they scored in front of the jock out banner though that was a nice touch that the way it was scored you couldn't edit it out like you couldn't find a nice camera angle to get rid of that banner although i believe some other banners were banned if that's banners were banned 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 banners um yeah but i think i think this also shows that like in playoff soccer if you don't put the game away early it doesn't matter like if you leave a team hanging around uh like louisville they're gonna louisville they're gonna find a way back in the game to score essentially just like uh, put it in the mixer and see what happens. Kind of old school hockey goal where you just shoot at the goalie and, and hope for the best. Um, and, and that's what it's, what it took. And I mean, are we surprised that that's what it took? Like some random weird bouncy goal that the goalkeeper looked like, like he was like pushed over. That's how sad he was that the ball went by him. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was a weird game. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the Mushigalusa thing in the first half where Louisville decided very intentionally to go with the back four so they could have that extra man in the midfield. And it forced Tampa Bay to really pinch inward and that freed that movement on the wing. And Tampa Bay, because Neil Collins is really good at the whole tactical thing, Adjusted nicely in the second half, and the bone red card changed things, certainly. But Louisville was just the better side. They made the better choices in this game. And they deserved to win overall, but it was certainly a really exciting matchup, even if it was a bit defensive overall. So I think it was deserved, certainly, for Louisville City, but I certainly felt like it was a good match. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot of the battles that were going on. Like it was, it was kind of fun to watch some of those little micro battles that kept taking place, and then just trying to see who was going to eventually, uh, you know, come out on top on those. 
And they're really pushing their fans, just kind of making these games exciting after you had the uh, penalty shootout victory over uh, Pittsburgh uh, in the previous round now to do this one and now to line up against San Antonio in another trip to the USL Cup final for Louisville. It really makes it one of the more exciting runs that they've had in recent years. Mm-hmm. I wonder, though, of two full 120 minutes for Louisville, how much different their what they're going to do against San Antonio is going to be. Um, you know, I guess I don't want to get too far ahead and go into full preview, but, I mean, that's a lot of extra minutes on those legs, and they're down a lot of players, um, a lot of players. But I do want to just throw this question out there to you guys. Which keeper are you going out with? Are you riding the hot hand or are you going back to the Golden Gloves winner if they're healthy? Golden Glove. There should be two. It should be two gloves. (laughs) The commitment to this bit is just the best part of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, like, who are we going with? Because, like, I, you, you would think you would go the hot hand because he's been killing it, but. Also, it's a Golden Glove winner. What do you do? I mean, I don't yeah, know that man. there's a wrong decision, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, you just made the case. You have somebody who's been performing in the absence of Kyle Morton, and then you also have Kyle Morton. You know, it's just, man, that's like tough. I don't know if I'd want to be in that position to have to make that decision, honestly. Is John McCarthy Can I just say – <laughs> can i just say golden glove is really like a fake award it feels like it's more responsibility of your defense rather than the individual accomplishment for the goalkeeper whereas jordan Farr today was rightly given the goalkeeper of the year nod certainly morton had a very great season but he's playing in front of a team that possesses the ball for a really dominant amount of the game that relies on very strong center backs. Where as far as making these great saves more regularly, I don't know. That's sort of just been popping around for me. But moral of the story is I think I'm sticking with the hot hand in the final. I, To me, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, soccer and Golden Glove go almost like hockey style and go save percentage. Because, I mean, we've seen with how many, you know, goalies now in the NHL or whatever league where their defense is just paper. I mean, sorry, John, but I mean the Coyotes. And, you know, (laughs) for a couple years they've had some good, you know, attendees back there. They've had some good, uh, you know, net minders Mm -hmm. that put up decent numbers, you know, 900-plus save percentages. It's like, oh, so it's not the goalkeeper's fault. I mean, how many? T- I mean, I think you could really look at that with the USO and be like, maybe save percentages are maybe the way to go, and then maybe have a golden back line or something like that. I don't know the golden defenders because there's more of those. There should be an S on that one, and it, the whole award could just be like a pinball, and the entire back line is just gold. Ideas, ideas for the future. <laughs> Love it. Um, I but I didn't I did uh, talk about it earlier. And I do want to mention it again. Is the um, it's just the uh, academy pipeline. I mean, Elijah Winder is U.S. He's a Louisville guy. You know, him and his brother go through the uh, Louisville Academy, and I think if I remember correctly, I may be misremembering the stat, but I think they've had an academy graduate uh, graduate or current academy uh, player in the senior lineup for every single lineup this year. That's incredible stuff. And I love the fact that they have continued to push their academy guys and promote from within. Obviously not exactly the same as Tormenta, but we are seeing more and more of these teams that are successful. It's not necessarily just from oh, we're going to buy all the best players a la FC Cincy a couple years ago where they just bought all of the talent they could. 
they got their academy and they are pushing them up because there's a whole lot of untapped potential in every single city in America. And I'm super excited to see how that continues to grow. And this is not me saying I want one team to win over the other, but how cool would it be if you have two of these teams in Tormenta and Louisville City who heavily push their academy systems, heavily push their academy. That said, San Antonio does as well, but Louisville is more outwardly facing about it, I think. And if that's who wins the USL Cup this year for both leagues, maybe that sends a message to the rest of the USL of like, and maybe all of American soccer of just like, hey, if you want to win, that's how we do it. It's a great display for any uh, just kind of youth academy product who wants to enter the league to see these teams succeeding and have that pathway of I can start here in the academy and work my way into the first team. And eventually, as you've seen with both of these clubs, move on to bigger and brighter things past uh, your time in USL. Yeah, and there's a lot of draw for that. Like before Lexington Sporting became an entity, like we had tons of kids making the drive up to Louisville. Not that it's like an insane drive to get up there, but a lot of kids going up there to play in, in their academy system. And so you have all these like surrounding areas that you can tap for talent and, and pull in. And if you're showing that product and showing like, hey, we can have these kids actually be productive at that level then, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you try and tap into that in your city and around your area? Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to say San Antonio also has an incredible academy system. That's not me saying that Louisville is a better academy system. Louisville is just more they, – they are much more public with their academy system than San Antonio is. Like Louisville's making a big deal about that almost every single week. So, I mean, hey, San Antonio, start highlighting that as much as Louisville does. And I think you might get a little bit more love for it because I know you you do it, but it, it's just not as – it basically, if you don't post about it, people don't know about it. If people don't know about it, then they don't care. Um, so, you know, that's to everybody. Oh, was, did somebody have a cat? Was that a cat I heard? What was that? That was wild. Um, that sounded like a meow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not hearing that. I was about to say, is the heat stroke getting to me already? Um, but let's go ahead and talk about this USL uh, championship final. This one's exciting. Um, two, uh, two one seeds going at it. The two teams that were jockeying for that supporter shield all year long going to be down in San Antonio, which is bound to be bumping because if it was if it was going against Colorado Springs you know it's going to be going against Louisville City and these are two teams that I think a lot of people would have been dying to see play each other all year long and we're getting it in the biggest way possible and it could not have turned out any better thank you USL uh, script writers yeah, if you're looking kind of at uh, just historical finals per my uh, USL ELO ratings, this is the highest rated final that they've had in league history. And it's uh, depending on the results of this final, the winner of this match, as long as it doesn't go to penalties, can lay a claim to being arguably the best team that USL championship has ever seen. Yeah, so... Yeah, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask, Ryan, can you, for people who don't really understand it, can you elaborate on what that really means on the ELO ratings? Yeah, sure. So it's taking the same formula that they use to rate um, international football clubs and applying it towards just the results that they have here in USL. It's very dependent on just kind of the goal differential and the two ratings of the teams involved to kind of determine how strong uh, team is and just an exchange of points. They use it to rank chess players um, in a similar manner. So I've been keeping track of these ELO ratings going back to the 2011 season retrospectively up to um, you know, the present day. And it's just kind of a historical compilation of all the uh, kind of rankings and where teams that fall. Like, for instance, you'll have to look at the 2016 New York Red Bulls 2 and the 2019 Real Monarchs teams as the two best uh, league champions that uh, USL has seen so far. Gotcha. Appreciate it. John, before I cut you off though, so rudely. No, you're good. I just want to um, talk about some of the points I made on the tactic show today where 
two things I'm going to be focusing on are the Louisville defensive midfield where Tyler Gibson is one of the greatest players in the history of lower league soccer, maybe. But the way that San Antonio attacks with three forwards and then pushes in their central midfield is going to be a real challenge for him. And then the way that Louisville responds to the very fast-paced, direct attack from San Antonio are two things that I'm going to be flagging. I think that Louisville wins this game, just to preview the predictions, but I think that there are really routes on either side that could result in a win here, and I think it's just a fascinating matchup. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to see this this thing play out. It's just like you mentioned, this is kind of like the the final that I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for. And you know, John laid it out perfectly with what they're going to be dealing with and how that battle uh, can potentially go. And I know that Louisville's been struggling through a lot of injuries and missing players and and having to kind of tweak things. But I, I think that they're going to come out firing pretty strong. Um, now that's not to say that they're just going to take it away and just run away with everything. I think it's going to be a definite battle, but I feel like, I don't know. I just, they got this sense of being extremely fired up for how much they're missing. Not that San Antonio will be fired up as well, but I'm, I'm very excited to, to see this battle play out. And what's really uh, what I've always found fascinating with the USL final is that uh, since 2011, the first seven meetings of the final, the home team won each of those, but these last three meetings we've had, of the USL final has gone the way of the visit or as sorry, the last two has gone the way of the uh, visitors. So that is a route that Louisville kind of has an advantage to try and get in here, especially if you're going into a tough place to play like San Antonio, who's only lost one game at home all season. And that wasn't since the kind of just start of the year in April. I mean, which, which conference won the last two on the road? The West. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> this is not the argument we need tonight. Uh, this is I'm super excited to see how this one plays out because I've done a lot of thinking. I've gone back and watched a lot of the matches for both teams to, to fully prep myself for tonight because I wanted to come out and have a full-on, this team will win, and this is why, and – I don't know. This is even last year. I mean, obviously Orange County proved us all wrong, but we all had a strong feeling of who was going to win. I think a couple years ago before it was shut down, I think a lot of people had leans on Tampa Bay or Phoenix. Same thing a uh, year before, year before, you know, it seemed like there was a true feeling one way or another, but this is the first time I can really remember it just being like a true, I don't know. You know. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. I mean, two very, very strong teams. It's fair to say, like, you just don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of tape to prove that they belong where they're at. And uh, I think it's just a tough choice for a lot of people, unless you're, you know, invested in some way or another. Right, and they cancel each other out so well tactically. I think it's going to be a tight game. Could you arguably say, based on their regular season standings, this is the most highly anticipated USL final since we had 2018 Louisville Phoenix? I think I think yeah. if it would have happened, Phoenix versus Tampa Bay takes the cake for me personally, but it didn't happen. So in that case, yes, but only on the slight like asterisk. But I mean, I mean that was also a that was also a fun one of itself. Um, I'm just I, I when I've submitted my pick, I don't know because Ryan obviously keeps up with all of our picks. Shout out Ryan for all that you did this year, by the way. Um, I don't know if he noticed. I went back and edited my pick at least three different times. I put down Louisville City first, and then I thought about it, and I said, no, it's San Antonio. And then I put down Louisville, and then I put down San Antonio again, and then I think I flipped again. I don't remember. Um, I This is one that 
I think a lot of people have said this one is just destined for penalties, but that almost seems too predictable, and that's not the USL I know and love. I was kind of wondering that too. Like, I was very tempted to be like, yeah, this will go to extra time and maybe even penalties, but I ended up settling when my prediction would get there. And, uh, like, thinking, I think it gets done in regular time. I think both these teams are going to be so hungry and on it that it's going to get decided before it goes beyond that. And the league's in a different place than uh, where it was back in 2011, but 2011 was the last time we had a final go to penalties when Orlando beat. Uh, Harrisburg City and we've only had one match ever end up in extra time and that was Rochester 2015 and not to mention 2013 you toss in a 7-4 game between Orlando and the Charlotte Eagles oh that just brought those just bringing up those uh, matches in of itself I that brought back so much nostalgia for me and I kind of hate that it did (laughs) I hate that I've dumped this much of my life into watching the USL at times. (laughs) It's fine. I love it. I love this stupid league. (laughs) Um, Something I think is kind of fun, and I've I've complained about it because the hot weather is annoying me. Uh, I just looked at the forecast for San Antonio. Um, It's going to be a high of 61 that day after an entire week of being in the 80s. So we're getting a true fall classic down in San Antonio allegedly um so it is set up to be a perfect fall night as we near thanksgiving and hopefully one of these teams can you know give thanks to winning and hoisting a cup but that leads us to predictions i want to start off with tyler who do you got all right i am going with 2-1 lucidity in regular time um i like i just mentioned i don't think it's gonna go past regular time um even though I was tempted, I was like, man, chaos, it's, it's definitely there right for the taking. But I, I don't know. I Something in my gut is telling me that these teams are going to make sure it doesn't get that far. Um, I don't think Lou City will want it to get that far after uh, the couple of games that they've had and come off of. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're still energized and amped up. But um, the thought of playing another game, going to extra time and potentially penalties – probably kind of exhausting in a way. So um, I think they'll be very motivated to try and close it out before it gets past that uh, 90 minutes plus whatever stoppage time is added. Ryan, who do you got? I'm going to go with uh, after extra time, San Antonio two to one. I just think having that advantage of playing at home and just having a very, just a fortress that they play and it's a very tough place to go. And if you're looking at a Louisville team this past year, Uh, The three goals that they scored, or sorry, the four goals that they scored against Atlanta United 2 is the last time they had, that was their highest scoring road match. But since then, it's just been a lot of low scoring uh, kind of affairs on the road. So San Antonio to triumph 2-1 in extra time. Alan? Uh, I'm going to ride the hot hand that I've been riding all playoffs long and I'm going to go two one San Antonio in regular time. I think that uh, this go- does not go to extra time. I think. Um, yeah. All right, John. I have one Oh to Louisville here. I think that Danny Cruz has shown a real penchant for late game substitutions that is going to make the difference. He knows when to navigate the back three versus the back four. There's just enough spark here that I think that despite being on the road, they get the win. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that... uh... I think San Antonio being uh, shut out would be the most shocking thing that could have happened these playoffs. Um, But if anybody can do it, it would be this Louisville team. Um, I think the exact opposite is going to happen. I am taking San Antonio in a 3-2 win in extra time. Um, This feels like a match that is just going to get chaotic because both teams are going to try to go for the win in regular time. And I just think that both teams are going to try to win it. San Antonio wants to win it at home, obviously. Louisville City does not want to go to extra time. They've already done enough of that this year. 
they're short on reinforcements. They're going to do everything they can to not play that extra 30. And it's going to turn out into a, just an all-out track meet with four goals in regular time and then San Antonio with the deciding win at home to hoist the cup. I think that was my favorite bit from this weekend of the Premier League of Leeds coming back and winning 4-3. And it was, you can't win 4-3 unless you give up three goals. I think it was the bit. (laughs) (laughs) See, there's nothing in my heart I want more, and I've mentioned this last week, of I just want Cameron Lancaster to come on for the last five minutes, score one goal, and immediately get subbed off. Him to have just a one-minute appearance and just get subbed, just WWE appearance, hit San Antonio with the metal chair and leaves. (laughs) man so look it's kind of hard to believe that we are talking about the usl championship final we have talked about a league two final we've talked about w league final we've talked about a league one final and now next week on the 15th we will be talking about this year's uh league uh championship final um that's just wild to think about um, so for people who are listening, if you've made it to an hour, hey, by the way, this is the shortest episode in a while. Um, sorry. Um, and I just want to, we're just going to, eventually we're going to post a Google form on Twitter and also in our, uh, description here talking about, um, like stuff that you want to see with the show, things like if you want to add more shows, what kind of format you guys would like what you did and what you didn't enjoy about this new format of the show, because as you all know, this is, you know, the USL show 2.0, 2.5, depending on how you want to call it. And there was a lot of changes that happened this year, which ones were good, which ones are bad. And we want to get that input from you guys, but that'll be posted sometime after the USL finals, because we want to soak this one in. Um, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead, unless anybody has any final thoughts before we essentially end the season. Uh, anybody have any final USL thoughts? No? Cool. John, what's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I've sort of been thinking about the fact that we got the USL League One final on ESPN2 just watch that support this league even if you don't care about the louisville san antonio matchup put on your tv to that network and just make sure you're getting the viewership out there support what's going on here because i think that matters to the growth of lower league soccer so that's what i've got alan uh thank you for those of you who voted if you didn't um Polls are still open in California, I believe, for another hour, so get on it. Uh, and uh, make sure you vote down ballot and pay attention next time for voting down ballot because school board and city council and all those things have a huge impact on your lives. Uh, so if your person gets elected, hold them accountable. If they didn't get elected, uh, work to get someone that you believe fits your uh, worldview and, and make it happen, right? Because you can complain all you want, but until you get out and do it, um, that's where the magic really happens. So get involved and be active. Ryan. Just uh, thank you to everyone who listened along to the, uh, the USL show throughout the entire season. It's been a, a really wonderful season and we're all looking forward to an exciting final and uh, some really fun off season content ahead. Tower. Not a whole lot for me. Just uh, just glad that I got to join in, even with this uh, pretty late. But uh, it's it's been uh, awesome, and I know we got a final to cover and, and more to come later on down the road. But um, if you guys need, I've got some pretty solid um, hair tips if you want to hit me up. Um, if you never want to have a bad hair day again, that is. Uh, all I'm saying is um, I've got the secret. So, yeah, holler at me. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, not a whole lot for me. Um, I have a teacher story that I want to share with the guys in the back screen after this is over. 
um, that I thought was fun. But because it includes one of my students' names, I'm not going to say it on here, but I enjoyed it. Sorry, I don't really know why I said that to everybody, but hey, you don't get to know everything. Suck it, nerds. Um, and, you know, this has been super fun. I am really excited about this final. And yeah, the, watching the League One final on ESPN, just it's so cool to see how far that league itself has grown. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know I was one of them, and it was awesome. I enjoyed it so much. Um, my piece of music for today, because I think I forgot one last week. Um, listen to, I'm just going to do two then. Listen to uh, Bruckner 4, specifically, I think it's the 1978 Chicago uh, Orchestra. Uh, listen to their uh, rendition of it. It's incredible. Um and then if you look on Spotify, because technically this piece doesn't really have movements, it kind of does, kind of doesn't. Um, it's technically the third to last movement, I think, in Ein Heldenleben. Um, it is just amazing for the brass. Um, if you love just good brass music, it's um, it's incredible. Um, so Ein Heldenleben by Strauss. So that is mine. Um, look at our stuff on, obviously, here on the... Uh, old uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, and now Goals.TV. Check that out. We really appreciate the partnership we've had with them. Um, we had uh, three of the top 10 videos uh, that were posted on there uh, this month. So you guys have been supporting like crazy. So I really appreciate you guys. And for the last time tonight, Q Allen's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.